Computers locked. Getting a signal. The guns, they've stopped. Stabilize your rear deflectors. Watch for enemy fighters. They're coming in. Three marks at 210. Welcome to this off-topic edition of the Banished to the Pen podcast. And today it's going to be Star Wars, and we're doing a draft. I'm your host, Ken Maida, way out in Honolulu, Hawaii. Joining me today from Boston, Massachusetts, it's Mike Carlucci. Say hi, Mike. Why, you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler. And joining me from Chicago, Illinois, it's Brandon Lee. Say hi, Brandon. Hey, laugh it up, fuzzball. Okay, so the main reason we're doing this uh, Star Wars theme podcast now is Memorial Day is coming up, and that's usually the time when all the uh, Star Wars movies have been released. May 25 would be the anniversary of the first one back in 1977. And if you're familiar with Effectively Wild, the hosts Ben and Sam like to do drafts. So we're going to do a draft of our favorite Star Wars things. So just to note, we did draft everything ahead of time, and today we're just going to discuss those things. And remember, it's only an exhibition, it's not a competition. So with that in mind, here's Mike with the first pick. First pick of the Finish to the Pen Star Wars draft to go with something near and dear to my heart, the Y-Wing. Understated, subtle, nacelles, has it all. So, Mike, I I really appreciate your your picking of the Y-Wing, but, like, is there... Is there something for you that separates the Y-Wing from, say, the X or the A or even the B wings? Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, to be perfectly, perfectly honest, I was sort of a Star Trek fan first. Whoa, so the, the, whoa. The Y-Wing <laughs> kind of has that warp nacelle design and... Also in the like in the video games, the Y Wing is slow and has a lot of armor, which is good when you're missing your targets. It's there. It it it's there if you're not a very good pilot. <laughs> and and I'm not a very good pilot. <laughs> so I guess I would be a Y Wing. I would be on that squadron. And that was the uh, Gold Squadron. Gold Squadron, yes. Gold Squadron. Did you have the toy? Any version? I had a Micro Machine at one point that I think came with a Micro Machine Death Star. Yeah. Where either of them are, no idea. <laughs> I do have one piece of trivia regarding the, uh, the Y-Wings. Harry Shearer, which uh, you guys may be familiar with, you might have been in these lately. I, I, um, I may be familiar with Harry Shearer, yes. Apparently, during the uh, recording of A New Hope, um, I guess a lot of those extras were British, and they dubbed in a lot of the voices in later in uh, out in California, so a lot of the uh, voiceover people were like radio DJs and people who had done voice work elsewhere. And Harry Shearer actually is in A New Hope, or you can hear him, and uh, he, he's one of the uh, Y-wing pilots that gets blown up. I'm not sure which one, but he's in there. Whoa! I think it might be the Stay on Target guy. Really? Yeah. Wait, he's Stay on Target guy? It's either him or the other guy. Um. Yeah, they they actually sound similar if you if you go like on YouTube and watch that scene. And uh, I think he's also when the Falcon lands on the Death Star, and there's that uh, Imperial guy that reports to Vader, and he says that no one's on board. I think that's Harry Shearer also, and that one's more obviously because it's just him and Vader. That's blowing my mind. <laughs> so he yeah. might he might be quitting the Simpsons so he can work on Episode Seven. Well, you know that's that's okay. That's- <laughs> That's okay with me, as long as I have some Harry Shearer in my life. Not that I was watching Latter-day Simpsons, I should clarify, but... Is there anything else about Y-Wings? No, no, just vote Y-Wing. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, the second overall pick, I'm going with my first viewing of A New Hope, which I don't remember when it was, but this is back when that movie was on HBO. This is like early 80s, and I remember being on all the time. Uh, I don't remember the first viewing, but uh, that kind of stuck with me. And I think the most vivid memories I have of that viewing are white walls at the very beginning of the blockade runner. 
So um, seeing that again in episode three when that came out was kind of a weird, surreal experience. So you guys remember when you first uh, saw any of the Star Wars movies? I think I, I think we 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 rented them, uh, rented the first uh, A New Hope from local in town video store. I had no idea what, what I was what I was in for. And that's probably on VHS. It was on VHS, and it was just a random thing. I think it was it was raining that day, so we decided to get a video. My parents either decided the time was right or just were like, oh, yeah, they're probably old enough to watch Star Wars now. My, uh, my aunt collect not collects, but my aunt has a, a rather large collection of, of videos and movies from a certain time period when she was buying a lot of movies and VHS tapes. So when I came of age and when Star Wars was starting to kind of come back a little pre-special edition uh, when the hype machine was starting to to churn again uh, I inherited the original uh, set on VHS and uh, yeah that was my first time watching it I inherited the three movies along with a, uh, a Greedo and a generic rebel action figure uh, all at the same time yeah, and with the Empire Strikes Back, I, I'm pretty sure I saw it on beta, but I don't remember seeing it for the first time. Oh man, on beta! I think my dad brought it home. Uh, he oh. rented it. <laughs> and Jedi, supposedly I saw it in the theater, but I have no memory of that either. Yeah, my my uh, my mom actually refused to take me to the special edition uh, Empire and Jedi in the movie theaters. Uh, because she says that I saw them already and therefore did not need to see them again. And I, 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 I don't disagree with this assessment um, in hindsight, but at the time I was not happy about well, it. I do. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, like, I remember when those came out and you know, we were all really looking forward to it. Um, I think when A New Hope Special Edition first came out, we I think like one of the first showings, like right after class, we saw it, and like the paper was pretty empty, so it was like a weird experience. Things like, oh, it's kind of anticlimactic. But I think the next day, uh, I saw it with my family, and that was like a later night showing, and it was packed. It's very much much more active crowd, and uh, you know they would boo when Vader first showed up. There's a sign that says, uh, "Please remain quiet throughout this performance." Everyone started cheering. So yeah, seeing it in the theater, seeing it in the theater, it's like a much different experience from seeing it at home. So no, I I understand that. I understand that. I saw. You did see A New Hope set, or yeah, I did see I did see special edition of A New Hope in theaters, um, but that was the only one I had a family member willing to take me to. Yeah, that was that was the only one of the of the three I saw in in the theater. It's a different experience when you're watching a movie that everyone there has already seen. <laughs> And Mike, did you say when you you when you first saw the uh, episode five and six? Oh, I saw I saw episode five a little bit a little bit after, and then for some reason it was it was a few years before I even knew there was an episode six, and uh, like I I I found it wandering through the video store, and I was like, oh, there's another one of these Star Wars movies. It was. That was sort of looking back on it. That was kind of, like I just obvious. never knew there was more. So at the end of episode five, you just thought, "Oh, well, well that's that was interesting." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Huh. That's a very disappointing ending there. You're at Huh. Vader is Luke's it, it father. It just stopped. Well, that was that was cool. Uh, so real quickly, do you want to like rank the six movies? I'll, I'll, like I'm like really set on my my like order of preference, so I can go through it pretty quickly. I don't know if you guys have ever go, given go it much for thought. it. Go for it, Ken. I'll see if I agree with you. Okay, so the obvious one is Episode Five, which isn't very uh, you know unique. And after that would be Episode Four, Six and Three. I'm kind of close on, but I'd have to give the edge to Six. I kind of want to like Three more, but I can't quite do it. So then I would go Three, Two, One with the prequels with the one being a distant last but i don't hate it as much as a lot of the internet seems to yeah i'm i'm in complete agreement with your order 
that that is the exact same order that I would have selected. Well, I, I'll have to go a little against the grain. Oh man, oh man, uh, podcast heel. I, I I would I mean five five four six no no problem there. I'd actually go one three two. Whoa whoa. Look, looking back on it, like one is it's not as bad as as it uh, as it gets made out to be. It's not great. There's a lot wrong with it. I I watched I've I have watched episode one within the last uh, year and a half, and it was every bit as bad as I recall it being the first couple of times for me for me anyway. And this and that's one of the and I guess that's one of the appealing things about something like uh, something like Machete Viewing Order, where I where you can kind of write off episode one as as an optional thing you know uh but but you know i'm not gonna yuck your yum here mike uh even even if it's a mild yum i suppose yeah part of it might just be the excitement was so high i don't know that there's a lot of optimism feeling yeah just the feeling of seeing a new star wars movie and it it just didn't matter and that's some nostalgia is carrying it forward for me. After the fierce viewing, uh, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it, and I kind of wavered over the years about how much I liked it. Uh, but I think in recent years, it's kind of steadily gone downhill the more I see it. To tie it back into Effectively Wild, back on one of his uh, baseball prospectus chats, I actually asked Ben what his preferred order, and I think he did the same 5, 4, 6, 3, 2, 1 order. So that's, that's his opinion there. And uh, getting back to Machete Order, that's watching four, five, one is optional, and then two and three, and then six. Yes. Yeah. Four, five, two, three, six. And then one is kind of like your, uh, it's, it, it could be, I guess, the first spinoff movie. I mean, that way, you know, you have, you don't deal with the transition from the kid actor, Anakin Skywalker, to Hayden Christensen. You just deal with Hayden Christensen. And Machete, or uh, Machete is like, is that the guy's name that came up with it? I don't know if you know the story behind that. I don't know. I'm going to assume that is. I haven't looked it up, but yeah. it seems kind of self-centered to me. So. <laughs> name an or. Name an internet you know, theory after yourself. Yeah, I, I prefer to call it Flashback Order because it's kind of, after you find out the twist in Episode 5, you kind of go back Yeah. to see yeah. what his uh, backstory was. And then you kind of end on I note with Episode 6. Flashback order is an interesting way to put it. It's kind of, I think they compare that to uh, Godfather too. Yeah, that's probably. I would agree that's the best way to view it for the first time. Yeah, and six is six ends up being the the redemption story where. I mean, Luke is Luke is convinced the whole movie that there's still good in him, in Vader. And it turns out they're kind of it's so that is the high note versus going back, I guess, to the to the beginning and and seeing the the fall of Anakin. And even if you liked episode three, it ends on a down note, so it does. That that order yeah. resolved it. It makes episode one the first prequel to the prequels. Ooh, yeah. It would. I could see George Lucas getting on board with that idea. Do another prequel. <laughs> Is there Anakin will be it? even younger. <laughs> <laughs> you thought Hayden Christensen was young. Wait till you see the kid actor. All right, Brandon, uh, third pick. All right, with the third pick in the Banish of the Pen Star Wars draft, I will take Shadows of the Empire. Uh, this is the first, I guess it's the first uh, expanded universe entry in the in the draft. Uh, if, it, if, if it is considered Expanded Universe, I, I think the jury's still out on whether it still will be included in the future. Um, but, you know, it's, it was the, the everything but the movie publicity experiment. Um, the big multimedia. Yeah, the, multi, the multimedia push between, uh, or with the, with the it t- kind of the tides people over until the uh, until the special editions come out uh, but it was a storyline between uh, episode 5 and episode 6 that kind of 
connects all the character dots between there, but also introduces some new characters like uh, like Dash Rendar, who is takes really the just Han takes Solo the place off. of Han Solo. Yeah, <laughs> he basically Generic. just takes the place of Han Solo. He's a you know he's a smuggler who <laughs> who flies a ship that looks an awful lot like the Millennium Falcon. Uh, it was an Outrider. It was an Outrider. Uh, but it was also made into a, a video game for Nintendo sixty four, and that was my gateway into the. Uh, into the story. So this is kind of a nostalgia pick in a lot of ways because a lot of it is a lot of my memories around the the storyline are tied to playing the video game. But also this was the first Star Wars expanded universe novel that I read. Um, and to date the only one that I've read in full. And that was probably like the first time you got to actually experience new Star Wars material. Oh, exactly. Yes, it it's was part of the uh... Yeah, this was new. This was new Star Wars material, um, and I'm amazed I actually read the book being like ten years old at the time. So Han Solo is frozen in carbonite, and uh, you know there are all the stories about uh, uh, about Leia, uh, you know, trying to find Han in between, and uh, and introducing the Prince Caesar, Sizer, Shizor, Shizor. Yeah, yeah. See, the thing, the thing about the Nintendo sixty four game is that they didn't have uh, verbal dialogue in it. They just had written dialogue in it. So I never knew how to pronounce the guy's name. But yeah, he was trying to sort of take Darth Vader's spot beside the Emperor. Um, and then you have, you know, Dash Rendar doing all the Han Solo things. So, Mike, were you into the uh, expanded universe much? I I was. I got in. Kind of the same way through uh, Shadows of the Empire, and then went all the way through uh, through the Timothy Zahn books. Got some uh, excitement there, and it's all been wiped away. <laughs> I have no qualms about. Um, so the expanded universe. There was, there was that dark time in Star Wars fandom, like I guess the mid '80s to the mid '90s. Um, I think was it the the Zahn books came out first. Was that before Shadows of the Empire in the early '90s? Shadows was like a, a little after. I know uh, the, the Zahn books. So the first time they continued the story post Return of the Jedi. Yeah, Shadows Shadows was ninety six, ninety seven ish. I think ninety six uh like end of ninety six was the video game. Oh no, uh Heir to the Empire came out in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, and there's like no real internet back then, so there wasn't this big build up. I think we all probably just like saw it at random at the bookstore. One like, day oh, look, one day it just showed up at Walden Books. Exactly. The the story now is that it's Lucasfilm with the uh, Disney transfer. They've kind of wiped out the the expanded universe and they're just starting from scratch, which evokes uh, mixed feelings. I think. As long as yeah, they keep well, it's, it gives them some the freedom though, because they they're calling them the the Star Wars legends, and that some legends are true. So Ooh. any of it could get mixed back in in the future. They can just take. They can take the. They can take the choice parts, not the emperor coming back from the dead four or five times and crazy stuff. Mara Jade, she could. She could show up. Yes, more Mara Jade, please. Yeah, I feel like with canon, it's basically whatever you want it to be. You can pick and choose what you like. Oh, the Christmas special is in my canon. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't believe anyone's drafted that. So with uh. The fourth pick, Mike. Well, well, what have we here? I'm taking Lando Calrissian. Lando is, uh, he makes his appearance in Empire Strikes Back, which I've already decided is the best movie. He's Han Solo's friend, sort of. Frenemy. Frenemy. He's a redemption story, and he, uh, spoiler alert, survives Return of the Jedi. He sneaks into Jabba's palace. I mean, the guy does it all. He used to own the Falcon. That's right. He used to own the Falcon. I mean, there's really, there's really no, no way you can, uh, you, you can have the Star Wars story without Lando. One story I've heard is, uh, I think uh, Billy Dee Williams would drop off his kid at school, and I guess right after Empire had come out, and some of the kids would uh, yell at him that he'd betrayed Han. <laughs> that would hurt his feelings. I mean, he brought it upon himself, really. They arrived right before 
what choice did he have? His hands were tied. <laughs> um, so one bit of trivia about Billy Dee Williams, uh, who was in a baseball movie, actually. That's not my trivia, but uh, was it Bingo Long and the Traveling All-Stars? Okay, I've never seen that one. But his, his real name is William December Williams Jr. Billy D for short. Wow. Wait. His William? name is William Williams? No, no, yeah. William, uh, whoa. Wait. William December. Whoa. <laughs> I was not expecting he, that. He is short for that. December, and his first <laughs> and last name are the same. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. I'm not sure if his dad was born in December, although Billy D, Billy D. Jr. was born in April. So he was neither born nor conceived in December, but December holds some sort of significance. It's when they knew episode seven was going to come out. They just they just foresaw it. That's that's just astounding, and to the point. He's got the coolest name in fiction think, and in real life. Just when he thought he couldn't get in cooler. But uh, apparently, he there's no news that he is in episode seven that we know of. That, although that, they could keep me this prize. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Unless they're waiting for him to uh, show up in episode eight. Well, I mean, he sat out episode four, so you know, maybe he'll just show up in the middle episode. And then he'll betray them again, and then redeem himself again. Yeah. Yeah. No. Of course. I mean, that was <laughs> that was that was assumed. That was. Assumed. Showing up in eight is an homage to showing up in the middle of the first trilogy. Yes. Yes. Okay, with the second pick of the second round, I'm going with the Empire Strikes Back lightsaber duel with Luke and Vader, which is probably one of the more iconic moments in the series. In film, really. Yeah, so from the start I like that first shot when we when they meet on Cloud City with the silhouette and the smoke. And there's one thing you it's kinda of easy to miss. But uh, Vader, at the start, he's just dueling with one hand, kind of toying with Luke. It really adds to that moment. And uh, it's actually probably the most lopsided duel in all six movies, but it's probably also the most dramatic. The big I Am Your Father moment uh, leading up to that, it's kind of easy to forget that Luke thinks he's uh, fighting the guy that killed his dad. And obviously it actually is his dad. I don't remember seeing it for the first time. Uh, do you guys? I don't recall what my reaction was the first time I heard that. I might have just heard about it beforehand. Like like one of my family members spoiled it for me. Uh, I I did not know going into it and I was I was I was really surprised. He's the bad guy. He's not even human. Turns out he was. And were you in disbelief at that time or did you just accept it and say, like, Oh that's that's a bummer. I, I felt just like Luke. I couldn't believe it. This is this thing where parents will like shoot videos of their kids uh, seeing it for the first time and getting their reactions? How how YouTube generation of them? <laughs> uh, oh, I'll say I've I've not that I've thought about doing that if I have uh, if I have a family someday. But I would think about I would be excited to watch Star Wars with future children. And be be waiting to see their reaction. When I watched the series for the first time with my my wife, so she had never seen the movies Star Wars, but but I feel like once you're once you're past a certain age, like it just becomes a kind of uh, like a cultural reference that people just kind of know, right? Like it's not. Like, oh yeah, of course, Luke, of course, Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. You know, like, well, one, it's a big joke in 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 The Simpsons, and uh, you know, people of a certain age have all seen that episode, right? But, but also, like, it's yeah, it's just kind of one of those things that that people know, even if they haven't seen the movie. But obviously, if you're if you're a child and you're watching it for the first time, or you're watching your child watch the movie for the first time, then they wouldn't have any prior knowledge. Yeah, I think that's probably one of my biggest regrets is not experiencing that moment for the first time. Uh, do we want to rank lightsaber duels? Uh, just pick everyone. Everyone picking their favorite. Uh... Well, 
it's it's really hard to top uh, the one in Empire, but I I kind of have to go with the the first lightsaber duel. Oh, Obi Wan, Vader and Obi Wan, and they're just sort of we've never seen lightsabers before. We don't know what's going to come with the Force, and they're just they're bantering back and forth, and they're taking their swipes. It's a, a more civilized battle. <laughs> With, with a more civilized <laughs> weapon. Exactly. I, so, it, it's really picking picking your second favorite, picking my second favorite, because, uh, you know, Je- uh, Empire is the first one. But yeah, but, but I think I would go with Jedi as my second. And I know it's not all lightsabers, and there's a lot of talking in there, and it doesn't end with a lightsaber duel. Um, but, uh, but I... You know, I would I would go with I, I would go with uh, with Jedi. I think it it has a lot to do with uh, with Luke's point of view in that one, and and uh, the the contrast between that lightsaber fight with the one that happened the movie before. Yeah, I feel like the duels, well, I guess all the duels in the uh, original trilogy, they're more character moments, whereas yeah. uh, even though in Episode One it's a more dynamic fight. Uh, you know, the two sides, they don't really know each other. They never met. It's more uh, Jedi and Sith just doing their job. And yeah, it's all about kicking each other's ass. Yeah. Looks really cool. Fun to watch. But not the same. Okay, Brandon. Uh, second round, third pick. My second round pick is Darth Vader. Because someone has to pick Darth Vader. It might as well be me here. The Sith Lord, Anakin Skywalker, the whole thing. He is the principally the story is about Darth Vader, right? I mean, it's about the the uh, the discovery of Anakin and the rise of Anakin, and then kind of the him turning into Darth Vader, and then like the show of power of Vader, and then the fall and redemption right like it 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 runs the gamut for for anakin skywalker slash darth vader and you know the movie is about him gotta take gotta take darth vader and and plus he he you know he 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 looks like a badass and and i think the you had mentioned like the stark very sterile whiteness of the room in the first scene of of Star Wars uh, of Episode Four, and I think the the contrast of Vader in that room, like as soon as the door opens and he walks in, and it's this all this all black figure walking into this all white room, like he he stands out immediately in the you know on on the screen right from right from the get go. I'm hooked. Yeah, I mean he defines uh, he defines evil for a generation. From that introduction on, there's almost, it's almost like you could make six whole movies about the guy. <laughs> uh, with all the uh, negative response that the prequels got, um, I think not having Anakin be the, uh, what you would have expected from what we know of Vader. He's not like the cold, brooding, obviously evil type from the beginning. And I think that contrast from what we see in the, uh, in 405 and 6. Kind of shows you how much he'd fallen from uh, from earlier in his life. Yeah, he's he uh, he he starts out as just a regular kid, it's more or less. Well, with a really high midichlorian count. What now? I I I don't I don't think I uh, I don't think I heard you. <laughs> he's very strong in the Force. <laughs> it's a mystical energy field uh, binds things together. Although when you think about it, uh, in the original trilogy, at least Vader, he seems to have like one failure after another. Uh, I think you know, like when the opening of A New Hope, the uh, he loses the plans. Obviously, when they get the Millennium Falcon later on, they lose that. Although he improvises with the homing beacon, and then he lets the Death Star get blown up. Then in Empire, he he's going after Luke, who escapes, and then uh, at the end he confronts Luke, who also escapes. So really, so really what you're saying is that Darth Vader is not a very effective 
super villain. Yeah, and all, I guess in Jedi, he doesn't really do a lot until the end. He's not a very active villain there. Oh, so Princess Leia is right. That it's just Tarkin holding his leash. He really, yeah. When you put it like that, he really doesn't. He he really doesn't accomplish very much. For me, making my pick look really bad right here. Still a cool character. He he transcends his feelers, I guess. Right, and and iconic in his way. So with the third round, uh, Mike with the first pick. I'm going to take the Millennium Falcon. Falcon is easily the coolest ship in any science fiction show or movie probably described in books as well. What do you need to say? It's the, the ship that helped blow up the Death Star. It's the ship that rescued Princess Leia. Is the one iconic... I mean, it's it's basically a character. It was the first character that we could recognize from, from the Episode 7 initial trailer. They saved that for the last the last second. And when you saw when you saw the Falcon zoom by, you knew Star you knew Star Wars was back. The prequels didn't have the Falcon. Just wasn't wasn't the same. Like seeing an old friend. Yeah. And actually it saves the day in episodes four, five, and six at the end of all of them. It does. With both it of the does. Death Star and it, saving Luke at the end. It does. And it never got a medal. Yeah, the the Falcon itself never got a medal. Yeah, I, I'm also gonna use this moment to uh to express my preference for spaceships with off-center cockpits. Although, if you think about it, I, it seems like it's like driving uh, a car with like an entire house on your <laughs> side. Yeah. So as cold it looks, it may be a little impractical. It, it's sort of like a space Winnebago, which I guess they sort of make fun of in Spaceballs, but because uh, you got the bunk beds and the chest set, probably got a kitchen in there somewhere. Well, it's, you know, if you're a smuggler on the run, you've got to have some essentials with you. Falcon takes takes care of it. So with the second pick in the third round, I'm going with Chewbacca, which is easily my favorite character in the movies. So even though fanboys kind of remember him as kind of a, like a badass, he's actually kind of, he had a lot of cowardly lion in him. Um, I think one of my favorite scenes is in the when they escape the garbage room, and that monster is still in there and growling, and Chewie wants nothing to do with it. Yeah, uh, Cowardly Lion is a very, it's actually a very good match for, for Chewbacca. Yeah, I've never heard him described as that, but uh, but I would go for it. And I think the tie-in with uh, the Falcon and Han Solo, as cool as they all are, they're, they have their moments of incompetence, which I think adds to their characters. And it would have been really easy to make them all like just perfect uh, action heroes, but they have their uh, they have their flawed moments, and it makes them more relatable. The one one big group Star Wars fan moment with Chewbacca that I have is when I was seeing Episode Three for the first time at a midnight showing. Um, uh, near the end, when uh, when Order sixty six has been issued and all the and uh, all of the uh, the troopers are coming for Yoda, he. He jumps on Chewbacca's back, and and everybody in the crowd is like, "Oh my God, that's Chewbacca! I thought it was a regular Wookiee." And, <laughs> but no, it was really Chewbacca, and everybody was really happy at that moment. When Yoda mentions Chewbacca, it it is a moment in the theater when everybody is like, "Oh my God, that's Chewbacca!" Yeah, I'm, I mean, he's 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 the the best like the best friend you could ever ask for. He can fly your car, he can fix your car, he can rebuild C-3PO. But he's terrible at chess. Let the Wookiee win. And he doesn't get a medal. <laughs> so with my with my third round pick, I am going to take the the overarching themes of Empire versus Rebellion, which which on some level breaks down into the eternal battle of good versus evil. Um, but within the within the Empire versus Rebellion context you know, there are some uh, historical aspects of this that can be applied to, uh, you know, world world history with with empires, you know, building 
building up around the world uh, and then rebellions being the, the stories that we're drawn to to try and overthrow or knock down those uh, seemingly uh, overpowerful empires that are trying to suppress everyone all over the world, right? But it's also this this very clear uh, good versus evil line. And maybe that line gets blurred a little bit with, with Darth Vader come episode 6, where, you know, there's all of that. Uh, uh, there's still there's still good in him thinking going on with within Luke um, but but it's very it's very clear that that there's a good and there's an evil and uh, that's that's one of the things that that I like about Star Wars that there's that uh, you know at least I would say that there was never any um, conflict within me about about who I'm pulling for in the in the movies, whose side I'm on. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's the the classic the classic uh, good versus evil story. You really you know, you're, you're introduced to, to Star Wars through through Luke. Uh, you meet Vader uh, as he's taking out chips that you've just been told are the key to saving the galaxy. As as a as a viewer, you know it, it's. You're, you're kind of, you're drawn into it in a certain way, but, you know, yet there are, there are still people who have Imperials as their, as all their favorite characters. And it's, it's interesting that you can know who the good guys and bad guys are, but it can still be, it can still be entertaining for, for kind of, kind of both sides. Even, even if you think the whole way that Vader can't be redeemed at the end, you know, he showed, he reveals his true colors. What's, what's going to be this, this good versus evil, um, sort of point of view in the in the next trilogy like without without an empire at least right now um for there to be a rebellion to fight against you know what's yeah what's going to be that dynamic moving forward yeah because it's it's hard to to tell because we we see stormtrooper looking guys but there's no fader there's no emperor like the, they were clearly, you know, evil for for sort of the purpose of evil. But uh, but an army and soldiers and you know, at some point, 30, 30 years have passed. Like, how strong are they to the cause of wiping out the Jedi and those who are friends with the Jedi? Although, and I and I suppose it's all it's all perspective because the stormtroopers don't see themselves as being, you know, people who fight for evil, right? <laughs> like the stormtroopers see their cause as as the the right one and the the jedis are the ones who are trying to overthrow it at the time yeah and supposedly disney is going to stop with seven eight and nine they'll probably milk it, milk it out as much as they can and i kind of worry that it'll just be like a uh, you know after school cartoon where the villain keeps losing and then coming back with a new scheme in every episode They'll never stop Star Wars, Ken. They have stories for years. <laughs> um, so since we're on the topic of Episode 7, uh, what was your reaction when the news came out? Which is pretty sudden. I don't think there are any rumors leading up to it that uh, George is uh, selling the franchise to Disney and they they're going to do more Star Wars. I was completely amazed. I, 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 can, I can remember... Like the, like the moment that I I found out, I'd gotten a text from my brother, and he's like, "You've, you've got to, you know, check this. Like Star Wars is back." It's like, "What?" And Lucas had sold to, to Disney, and you know, at the same time that they announced the sale, they announced they're making Star Wars again, and it was, uh, it's like the the world had suddenly become a different place that more Star Wars was possible. Yeah, and when I first heard that news, uh, which was online, uh, I, I just assumed it was like an old April Fool's joke. Especially the fact that Disney was involved. It all seemed a little too outlandish. Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember that day not completely believing that it was happening. Like it was 
like it was some sort of uh, uh, Twitter joke that just caught on. Um, but I think once once I once it was confirmed by enough, you know, by by enough accounts that I I suppose I would trust, I you know I I think amazed would have been the right word for me at the time and and excited on some level but but not feeling this it, it was definitely not necessarily the sense of dread that I had with you know once once episode 2 was was ready to come out you know because while I was excited for episode 1 I guess the the actual output that was the movie you know, made me, made me not nearly as excited for episode two. Um, so who knows, maybe, maybe my thoughts on this will change completely after, uh, you know, after episode seven comes out. And if it's not very good, then, then I'll just be like, oh no, well, I'll just write off episode eight then. But I think it's, uh, but I think beyond that, it was, it's the, the sort of, uh, standalone movies, the spin-off movies that that they're planning on, that kind of just make me laugh a little, and and because they're clearly milking it for all it's worth, which is which is cool because it's more Star Wars content. But uh, I don't know whether to be optimistic about it until I actually see some of the product. I guess. Yeah, I think you mentioned that sense of dread. I think that is what I had when I first heard the news. Um, because I had actually been thinking that Star Wars kind of get to go away for a little bit, so people would miss it, and then that news broke, and it was pretty much the opposite of it. And did do you, know, you floodgates had broken? Do you feel do you feel like there was enough there was enough time between uh or or since Episode Three where people would miss it? I mean, by that point, the I don't think it had, it had. I mean, it hadn't been ten years yet. It it was. It was what uh, six or seven years after episode uh, after episode three, so it was definitely not as long of a layover as after uh, Jedi. Yeah, I think it seemed like people still hadn't gone over the prequels, and you know, it seems like any time Star Wars comes up online nowadays, it's uh, there's still a lot of uh, prequel bashing, so that can get kind of overwhelming and uh, I guess depressing considering how big fans we all were growing up. I guess I'm somewhat optimistic knowing that Abrams is directing, although I wasn't a fan of the first Star Trek movie he'd done. I'm looking forward a little bit more to uh, Ryan Johnson doing episode 8 and I'm hoping they get Brad Bird for 9, although I don't know if that seems likely or not. Yeah, I, 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 have, I, I have some mixed feelings on... Uh... On the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, but on the on the whole, they they did what they what he set out to do and brought brought back iconic characters and something that felt felt enough like like the Star Trek that was you know known for for Shatner. I mean, Shatner is a huge personality. Like he became bigger than Kirk, and Abrams was able to to recast the crew, tell another story, and he's. You know, he's not doing exactly that with Star Wars because they're bringing back the old characters. But if he can recreate those, like those types of characters, is what he what he can do with the new people. I, I think they they can at least kick it off on a a good a good path. And with three different directors, you know, they've they've got a chance to get get the best the best people they can each each time for each specific part of the story that they want to tell and it sounds like with episode seven they are trying to bring that uh, i guess more fun spirit back to it and also not being too self-referential which i think lucas uh had a pretty big problem with that i guess the, the fan service as they call it mike <laughs> you guys you guys covered it well i think um and you know, I, I mean, I guess I'd be excited for Brad Bird, uh, but beyond that, you know, I'm sure Abrams will be fine either way. Okay, so with the fourth round, 
uh, Mike first pick. Fourth round, I am taking Penny Arcade comic, uh, The Lightsaber Says, from 2002. It was a one-off panel where Gabe decides that he wants a video game made by LucasArts, his, his game that he has in his mind, and he's going to do it by getting a job there, and his skill is producing the sound that a lightsaber makes. And one entire panel is just a, it's just a text, textual transcription of the lightsaber noise. And it's, well, yep, we can include a link somewhere, or look yeah. up Penny Arcade, the lightsaber says, March 13th, 2002, as the guy at LucasArts he's interviewing with says, it is incredible. He's got that kind of shock look, like, wow, that was actually pretty good. Uh, no, it sounds sounds crazy. Just doesn't seem like something that you could you could describe in text without saying the lightsaber made a hissing noise, but somehow the they get it done. The lightsabers crashed together. I think we all remember Star Wars Kid. <laughs> oh He's yeah, probably like thirty by now. <laughs> Running around with his, with his, uh, whatever, Paul. First YouTube sensation. Alright, so with the second pick of round four, I'll go with the soundtracks. Uh, probably the Empire one, uh, in particular. When I was a kid, I wasn't really into music, but I think one of the first CDs I'd got was in high school. It's probably the John Williams Best Of, which had some of the tracks from the Star Wars soundtrack. And I think it was a little bit after that I got the box set of uh, each of the albums. Uh, you guys have any favorite themes or background tracks? I mean, Imperial March, come on. I, th I think it's called the Asteroid Field from um, Empire Strikes Back. It, it, sh it shows up in, I th in a few of the trailers, uh, I think for the, for the prequels. It's my, it's, my, it's, my, it's my personal favorite. And it's like four or five minutes Five or six minutes long, maybe. So you can just have it there, and it and it loops well. So you can makes for good driving music. Yeah, I think one of the cool things about Star Wars was how the uh, the background scores were pretty memorable, uh, along with the actual like character themes. Um, so yeah, yeah, there was the asteroid field music, and I guess the uh, the gun port sequence after they escaped the uh, Death Star, and the Death Star battle music, the battle on Hoth is another good one. Ooh, battle on Hoth is a good one. Oof. And I guess the the sunset on Tatooine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably the one that everyone is most fond of. That that is a classic. Yeah, when when they went back to that one at the end of three, I I almost lost it in the theater. Yeah, and I think the uh, the throne room music at the end of episode four it's probably another favorite. Uh, it seems like in the prequels there weren't as many memorable character themes. It seemed like there was Duel of the Fates and that was about it. Mm -hmm. They put all their eggs in one one basket there. K kind of related to, to this. What do you guys think about removing the Fox fanfare? Since it'll be a, a Disney, Disney joint now. You know, Oh wow! It, it won't right. start off with the the classic, classic. Doo, 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 doo. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a video out of, um, I think it's just the Lucasfilm logo. They kind of reworked some of the Star Wars music into like a five second intro. So I think that's what they'll be using. It it's kind of evokes the Fox fanfare, but it's not the actual one. So I think that's the workaround they're using. Does it show the Disney logo or just the Lucas logo? I think it's just Lucasfilm, because uh, I think they just came out with the digital releases, and I think that's what they're using on those. Okay. So, uh, apparently, like, the Marvel movies don't use, they don't actually have Disney on there at the beginning, so it might just be Bad Robot and then Lucasfilm, episode 7 on. Alright, so with round four, third pick, Brandon? Round four, third pick, I am selecting... 
Star Wars references on The Simpsons. And I'm specifically thinking of three moments uh, that, that come to my mind frequently. One is uh, one that I've that I mentioned earlier, which was uh, the a flashback scene where Homer and Marge go and see Empire Strikes Back, and Homer spoils the movie for everybody in line. Uh, the other one is uh, is in the uh, the Lisa's Rival episode. Actually, there are two in the Lisa's Rival episode. One is uh, the Alec Guinness anagram of genuine class, and then the other one is um, uh, Ralph winning the diorama competition with Star Wars figures and then the line you bent my wookie and then the the third one is the uh, is Mark Hamill as Mark Hamill playing Luke Skywalker singing the song Luke be a Jedi tonight <laughs> it's amazing how many uh, Star Wars references have appeared in the Simpsons over the years yeah it kind of is it kind of is the um the one that always stand, stands with me is when, uh, what is it? Uh, they're at, they're at the, uh, the Android's dungeon and Bart, uh, messes up the deal, uh, after comic book, book guy sees the box of quote unquote junk. He has the, the hidden ending. It's like alternate ending. Luke's father is Chewbacca. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, hey, and and I mean, Brad Brad Bird is an old Simpsons guy, uh, so I, so that is he is the director who I would be most interested to see do Star Wars, for those reasons. But also, here's the here's the Harry Shearer connection again too. Will he be appearing in the sequel trilogy? Oh, oh, oh. So with the fifth round, first pick, Mike. I'm going to take a an, an underrated but goofy line from already discussed our serious character in Darth Vader. He says, "Leave that to me," but it's more like, "Leave that to me." And this was uh, in the beginning of Episode Four, <laughs> beginning of A New Hope. Uh, I think the is the lieutenant or something says, "Oh wait, uh, she'll die before she tells you." She'll die before she tells you anything. Leave that to me. <laughs> I turned him into a clown. <laughs> I, I always thought the intonation on that line was a little off. A little off. And there's kind of a recurring theme in Star Wars where, uh, you know, he just assures everyone he'll take care of everything. And as we established earlier, he, he doesn't seem to t- really take care of anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of leave it to me or I'll do with them myself. The take so charge have, guy. Do you guys have any favorite lines? Or unintended funny moments? Uh, I think I remember... Uh, I don't remember the exact line. There was a ridiculous laugh-out-loud funny line for me from episode two, I think, but I don't remember what it was. It was probably one of the sappy ones between uh, Anakin and Padme. I think he he says something. I think I might know the one you're talking about. He says like, "I wish I could wish it away on a wish or something." <laughs> I think one of my more favorite conversations is the uh, on the Death Star with the two stormtroopers, and they're talking. It's just like idle chatter. They're just standing around. They talk about the uh, the BT sixteen. You know, it's uh, quite a thing to see. And it kind of leaves it up to the imagination about what they're actually talking about. Kind of makes them, it gives a human element to the stormtroopers. Like they're talking about, it could be anything about cars or sports. I like that one, Ken. I like that one. Yeah, and and Mike, uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, I wish I could just wish away my feelings. <laughs> That's the one. It is bad. <laughs> Well, and, and since we're speaking about lines, I should probably add that on the Effective Law podcast. I think on Colin Wires' last, or just before Colin Wires was leaving to join was the Astros. Mm-hmm. And so Ben, this is back when Ben was uh, the boss at BP. And as his farewell, he said, uh, you're a good fighter. I hate to lose you. Uh. Which is a very <laughs> obscure quote. And I, I love that moment. 
I like that one. Everyone listening here will know exactly what we're talking about. Right? <laughs> it's true. Okay, so with the next pick, uh, I'm just going to go with video games in general. Uh, I think my favorite was probably the old Atari arcade game, which is just called Star Wars, and you reenact the X-Wing battle in the original Star Wars, shooting down TIE fighters, going down the uh, Death Star Trench, and this is back when vector graphics was a thing, so it's just a bunch of green lines. Uh, it's probably one of my more fond memories growing up uh, as a fan. And apparently neither of you guys uh, had seen or played it in person. That's correct. Indeed. Passed us by. But I had a lot of fun with it yesterday, actually, once I got the link to it. It looks like it would fit it would fit in well with this uh, with this game called Red Alarm on Virtual Boy. Or or I guess a, a vectored Star Fox. Oh, Star Fox. I guess I guess Peppy is uh, is stay on target guy, right? That would make would make Slippy Porkins, <laughs> or maybe or maybe Slippy is stay on target guy, and, and Peppy is Porkins, <laughs> and Falcon is Wedge. Oh, definitely. Um, so, you guys have any favorite games? I'll have to go with. It's not that new anymore, but it's still a newer type of game because it was from the Xbox. Uh, but uh, Knights of the Old Republic few thousand years in the past but still star wars yeah i'm my top star wars game like i would probably go with shadows of the empire on this one but i have a soft spot for um for dark forces and rebel assault 2 those are both uh computer games played the first rebel assault the game that actually inspired me to buy a joystick. Actually, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this would probably be our last pick. Uh, third pick of round five, Brandon. All right, with the last pick of today, I am selecting action figures. Uh, I there so much of my of my childhood obsession with star wars comes back to the action figures maybe even more so than the movies it's the act of collecting and then you know restaging scenes from movies and then developing my own scenes from uh you know my own mind that uh you know i'm able to set up with with characters from the movie that i'm able to play with and mold in any way that i want um in terms of a favorite toy, the the one that was that took me forever to actually find was um, was Han Solo in Hoth gear, um, and to this day, Han Solo in Hoth gear remains my one Star Wars toy that is still in the original packaging. Um, all other ones have been opened. But actually my my second favorite, I had a I had a not a micro machines A Wing, but it's it was a it was a it was an A Wing with uh the, that was not quite miniature sized but also not quite regular action figure sized. It's like an intermediate size. Um that uh I don't know, I feel like I just like the design on it more than others. Which is weird because I said I liked asymmetrical ships, but A wings are perfectly symmetrical. And I I only had the one, the one action figure. But when I was really young, a family friend gave uh, gave to my parents for me. I I think I was two, maybe. Uh, a, the Darth Vader head carrying case for action Ooh. figures. Ooh. Which, well, funny story, I was terrified of and convinced my parents to get rid of it. Years later, uh, I tracked one down on eBay and I buried it in their closet. I was thinking, this will be great. They'll find it. They'll be like, oh, remember this? And, you know, you were so scared of him. But now, you know, you're an adult and you loved Star Wars since you were 
just to, since you're slightly older than when you were terrified of Darth Vader. And they, I waited months for them to find it, uh, buried under like a pile of junk. And they finally did, and they had no idea what I was talking about. They had completely forgotten the whole incident. And they're like, what did, like they knew it must have been connected to me. Being, you know, how else did it get there? It's like, really? I, this, this was traumatizing, but then I eventually came, you know, to appreciate Star Wars. That's my action figure relationship with, <laughs> with Star Wars. Oh, parents. Actually, the same, the same aunt that bequeathed to me the original, uh, trilogy on VHS, uh, I had mentioned earlier that she also gave to me a, uh, a generic rebel action figure and a Greedo action figure. Um, but I'll, uh, one thing that I recall was as a child, an even smaller child, um, I, I was scared of the Greedo figurine. Like, it, 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 <laughs> I, I did not want it anywhere near me. This was before ever seeing Star Wars for the first time. And, uh, I, I was, I was given it, I saw it, and I wanted no part of it. And, uh, that probably, kept me from watching Star Wars for at least a couple more years than I otherwise would have uh, if I was not shown the Greedo figure first. Yeah, I think I had that curse of moving around a few times and losing childhood toys along the way. As a kid, this was like right after, well, I guess it was in the dying period of uh, Star Wars after Jedi had come out. So I think by that time, G.I. Joe and Transformers had kind of taken over. So I remember having a few of the ships, the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter with the break-apart wings. But uh, I have no idea what happened to them. I don't know why I didn't keep them, but I guess we all have that problem. Have y'all done any uh, Lego Star Wars sets? No, I've never never, never gotten into, into the Lego Star Wars. Yeah, I was a big fan of Lego growing up, but this is way before they had like the uh, specialized set. So you had to apply a lot of imagination when you're trying to build your uh, Millennium Falcon out of like square tiles. And that's that's what we had to deal with that's, in those days. That's challenging. Yeah, I have one Lego Star Wars set. It's the uh, it's Darth Vader's TIE Fighter. But I put it together once and it's still together and sitting on my bookshelf. That's the way to do it. Yeah. If I ever if I ever win the lottery or something, I'll get a Millennium Falcon. But actually, I was super. I was super jealous of uh, a a college professor's. A college professor had uh, me and a couple other students over at the end of our year. We were student workers in the in the resource center, and uh, her son had a Lego Millennium Falcon that he was like in the process of putting together, and it was it was a moment of incredible jealousy. Um, which is unusual because, you know, a 22-year-old shouldn't really be jealous of an 8-year-old, but <laughs> but there I was. Oh, it's the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> right. It's, 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 it's the best spaceship. It always saves the day. When you guys were kids, did you know anyone that had the, uh, the Falcon playset, like the, the original Kenner version? I did. I had one. I got it for Christmas one year. Um... And yeah, you know that that didn't that didn't come up earlier when I had mentioned it, but that but that was one of the uh, it, it was one of my top Christmas presents as a child. It was probably second to Nintendo sixty four as a child. And you still have it? I do. It's it's very dusty somewhere, but I do still have it. I'm a pack rat. I don't get rid of anything. I do have the Darth Vader here. Like I, I, I took it to my apartment. It's sitting right, right next to my desk. So no, no Legos or anything, but my one tie to the Star Wars toys. It's now that I'm, I've been reconnected. It's never going away. I, I do have a, I do have a grown-up Star Wars toy. I guess kind of a grown-up Star Wars toy. It's a Jedi Anthony Rizzo bobblehead uh, that's sitting beside my computer right now. The, the Red Sox really uh, can do that because Justin Masterson is his nickname's the Jedi Jedi Masterson. Oh, I see what they're doing there. <laughs> Got the name built into his name. 
All right, so I guess that'll wrap it up for today. Uh, we should probably go over what we missed, like with glaring omissions. Uh, Han Solo, I think I was going to take him before I ended up going with video games. I think it was like a uh, drafting for need instead of talent. Yeah, and I think, uh, and I think uh, you know, Princess Leia, and even to a degree Luke Skywalker, uh, were, were kind of omitted from, from our draft, <laughs> which is weird. But, you know, we, we got their father in there. A, a good amount and no, his, or the two characters who have been in all six movies r2d2 and c3po well i mean anakin has been in all of them but but played by different actors <laughs> and i guess it depends on your perspective on whether anakin skywalker died and became darth vader or whether it is one continuous story arc but it's all a matter of perspective Alright, so maybe we'll pick this up down the road with round six. Some upcoming off-topic episodes might cover The Wire and Parks and Recreation, so there's that to look forward to. We'll wrap it up here. Mike, thanks for joining me. Great to be on. May the Force be with you. And Brandon, thank you. Absolutely, anytime. And so thanks to everyone for listening, and Brandon, I'll throw it to you to sign us off. Thanks, Ken. This was a lot of fun. Just remember, everyone, be nice to your fellow droids. Remember, the force will be with you. The whole theater was, they were all showing episode three at the same time. Actually, some of them might have been like, uh, they might have staggered the start times by like a minute. I was in one of the 1201 showings, but there were others that were 1202, 1203, 1204, 1205. So I was actually really lucky to be in the 1201 showing because I could leave as soon as the as soon as the end credits started rolling and make it to the bathroom before anybody else does. If I was in the 1205 showing, I would have my bladder would have been screwed. <laughs>